0: So every year around this time, somebody always asks me the same question. Why does River Life celebrate Halloween? Now, sometimes it's a person who's openly against Halloween. And they're not really asking why. They're really saying, how could you? But most of the time, it's someone who's genuinely curious. Maybe even someone like you. That... Maybe you've never seen a Hmong church do a Halloween event like this. Or maybe you didn't grow up celebrating Halloween, and you know the drill, all the lights off, lock the front door, don't answer it. (laughs) Or maybe you've had pastors or parents tell you that Halloween is an evil pagan holiday and Christians shouldn't celebrate it but now as an adult with kids, maybe you're not sure. Or maybe you've had a Christian friend or family member question you or even criticize you for being a part of a church that has a Halloween event or letting your kids go trick or treating. And so wherever you are in all of this, my hope is that today will be eye-opening It'll be encouraging and maybe even challenging for some of the things you've heard across your life. So, the question of how Christians should celebrate Halloween is really part of a much bigger question, which is how should Christians relate to secular culture? How should Christians relate to secular culture? And there are really just three answers to this. And everything else falls into one of these three categories, generally speaking. First is reject it. Don't engage. Don't be a part of the secular life. A Christian is not to participate in things of this world. We are meant to be different, set apart. So reject it. Or accept it. Don't worry about it. We can do secular things. Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Or redeem it. Bring the power and presence of Jesus into the secular world, into the non-Christian world. And see, what's interesting about all of these is the Bible teaches all of them. So there is no simple answer. There's no one answer fits all. There's no one answer to every situation. It takes thought and discernment and prayer and conversation. And, and that's why we don't, here, we don't criticize anybody who chooses not to celebrate Halloween. If that is their conviction, more power to them. If that is what it looks like for them to love and follow God, wonderful. That's not our place to question. But here at River Life, we choose the last option, to redeem it. But what does that look like? Well, before we get into that, before we dive into that, I want to talk briefly about some of the common objections to Christianity. And chances are these are things you have heard from pulpits, from parents. Maybe they're even things you have heard so much you believe and you agree with. These are things you find online, in YouTube rants, in Facebook posts. So here's here are three of the most common Christian objections to Halloween, to celebrating Halloween. First is Halloween originated as a pagan holiday. I, I call this the origin argument. The origin of Halloween is fundamentally sinful. Therefore, Christians should not participate. Okay? Now, while this is partly true, that some of the origins of Halloween are pagan, part of the origins of Halloween are actually Christian. November 1st, historically, has been known as All Saints Day. And just like Christmas has a Christmas Eve, All Saints Day had an All Saints Day Eve. But that's not, that's not the name of it. The name of that church celebration on the, day, the night before All, Hall- All, All uh, Saints Day was called All Hallows' Eve. And that's actually where we get the name, Halloween. So there, there has been a church celebration on October 31st in the evening for centuries. Um, so is the origin of Halloween pagan or is it Christian? Yes. See, also, if a Christian, if using this origin argument if a Christian should not participate in anything with blatantly pagan origins, that raises some problems. That not mean Christians can't celebrate Christmas or Easter. Christmas originated as a festival, a Roman festival to, called Saturnalia, and Easter originated from a Germanic springtime goddess festival. Both Christmas and Easter... The two biggest Christian holidays have pagan origins. But in both cases, and many cases throughout history, the church took something that was pagan and redeemed it, refocused it, shifted the purpose and the attention. And for Christmas and Easter, the church changed those forever to focus them on Jesus Christ. And so the church has a long history of redeeming, of transforming pagan holidays. We've been doing it for millennia. So that's one objection. Another objection is that Halloween today glorifies evil and death. So this is an example of the present day argument. Forget the origins. What Halloween is today Emphasizes evil and death. Okay? Now, this is actually a pretty good argument. Because you you just have to walk into a spirit Halloween costume shop to see the straight-up obsession over blood, gore, death that Halloween carries with it. So this is a very legitimate argument. Okay? And I totally agree. That relishing in death and evil or being entertained by blood and gore is not the way of children of the light and children walking in new life. But does this mean that all of Halloween relishes in evil and death? No, it doesn't. In fact, walk around here after service and you won't see any of that because we don't participate in that part of Halloween. Okay, there's a third argument. It's simply that it's a worldly holiday. Halloween is a worldly holiday. This this I call the secular argument, that Halloween is fundamentally secular and so Christians shouldn't participate in it. Honestly, this is just a terrible argument. Because using this logic, Christians shouldn't celebrate New Year's Eve, Fourth of July, or Groundhog Day. Those are all secular. If Christians only celebrated only Christian holidays, there is a church calendar with church holidays that they could celebrate. But you can't have it both ways. You can't celebrate some secular holidays and reject others. As secular, And so this objection just feels weirdly selective, as often is the case with evangelical conservative Christianity. Very selective about what they object to and what they embrace. So is there an alternative to all of this? Is there an alternative? We absolutely believe so. See, we don't believe that that Halloween is inherently evil. Simply by its origin. Simply by the way that some choose to practice the holiday. Or simply because non-Christians do it. None of that makes this holiday inherently evil. So instead, we work to bring the redemption of Jesus... The kingdom of God into our world, into our cities, and yes, even into the holiday Halloween. And see, this isn't our idea. God has always redeemed his people to be a force for good. Builders of his kingdom and bringers of light. God has always done that since day one. In essence, God has called us to redeem. And so to help cast a vision for what it looks like for Christians to redeem culture, to redeem parts of life that are sinful, I'd like to invite Alicia Tao up here to read today's scripture.
1: Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. Kittles, you can listen along with your ears, all right? With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same. (laughs) My little mushu, same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Sorry. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then live generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good or helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, Anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you.
0: Thank you, Mulan and Mushu. So this passage begins with a powerful topic sentence. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. That's how this passage begins. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now the modern version of this is, hey Christians, don't live like non-Christians. Don't live like non-Christians. Okay, so we shouldn't celebrate Halloween, it's pagan, it's non-Christian, we shouldn't live like them, got it. Uh, not so fast. Because what Paul continues to explain is a vision of what it actually looks like for Christians not to live like non-Christians. And in it he repeats, in this whole passage he repeats a threefold pattern. He says, if you, then stop doing this, do this instead. And he actually repeats this five times all throughout this passage. So let me give you an example. So verses 21 to 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. This is the if you statement. If you know Jesus, if you've heard of Jesus, if you've been saved by his life-giving message, if you, then stop doing this. Stop doing this part. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. See, if you then stop living out of your old corrupted nature, your old non-Christian self. Stop living out of that. See, now a lot of Christians stop here. That they see Christianity as an emphasis of not doing certain things. In fact, if you grew up in the church, chances are you have listened to a lot of sermons about things you're not supposed to be doing. We could probably do a whole Santa's list of stuff on the naughty list of stuff we shouldn't be doing. But see, that's not the goal of the Christian life. That is only part of the Christian life. It's not the goal to simply not be like the world. Paul says that there is more. See, then he says, do this instead. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and and renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's actually the next verse. There we go. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, if you, then stop doing this, do this instead. And so many of us stop at step two. And we don't go on to step three. See, step three is to let the Holy Spirit renew you. To give you new thoughts and new attitudes. Put on righteousness and holiness. See, in Christ, you are to be something different and do something different. It's not enough to just stop doing things. God calls you to do something different. See, then from here, Paul gives four examples He gives four very specific examples, very concrete examples of what it looks like to live redeemed as a new creature, a new creation in Jesus. And they all follow the same pattern. If you, then stop doing this and do this instead. Okay? Let's go through them. If you lie, then stop telling lies. Do this instead. Let let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. It is not good enough for Christians to simply stop lying. God calls us to see the people across from us as our neighbors. Across the street, across the table, across the city. These are our neighbors. We're supposed to do more than simply stop lying. That's not enough. See, instead, you redeem. You redeem your words by speaking the truth. You, You redeem people in your eyes by seeing them as your neighbor. Next. If you're angry, if you're angry, then don't sin and let the sun let, let the anger control you. If you're angry, don't sin and let the anger control you. But don't stop there. Do this instead. Resolve your conflict quickly. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It's not good enough to not just be not angry. Proactively resolve conflict quickly don't let the sun go down on your anger. And see, Christians are called to do more than just not be angry. We are called to make peace quickly, to redeem our conflicts and our disagreements with others. Next, if you're a thief, well, quit stealing. Duh. If you're a thief, quit stealing. But do this Instead. Use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. See, a lot of churches and a lot of Christians will focus on the first half. Don't steal. That's just part of our calling. Our calling, that is not good enough for the people of God. Our calling is so much bigger than that. We are actually called to redemptive things like Working hard, giving to people in need, doing good with others. And then there's another one. If you cuss, if you cuss, well, don't use foul or abusive language, okay? You've probably heard a sermon about that in church before, but do this instead. Redeem your words, Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. It is not just good enough to stop cussing. We want to redeem our words and use them to build other people up, to bring life to other people, to encourage other people, to to lift them up That's how we use words. That's how you redeem words. It's not good, it's just good enough to stop cussing. And then my favorite one is there's this catch-all. It just says, if you're anybody, if you're a Christian, then get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. Sounds like a whole series of church sermons. But instead, be kind, be tender-hearted, be forgiving. Those are redemptive relational behaviors. All those first things are destructive relational behaviors. And God says, stop doing that. Christians, that should not be part of your life. But there's more. I am calling you to redeem your relationships and bring redemptive work into every relationship that you have by being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving. And we as Christians, and we as the church, are called to be agents of good, redemptive work in our world. We are called, even commanded, to do good, not just avoid bad. We are called to do good, not just avoid bad. So why does River Life have a Halloween event? Because we choose to redeem the holiday and not just avoid it. In fact, we can appall, we, we can apply Paul's three steps to Halloween. Here's an example. If you celebrate Halloween, then stop focusing on death, gore, horror and fear. Stop that, and instead, bring light to children, families, and neighborhoods. See, that's why you won't find any skeletons around here at Riverlife. You won't find skeletons, blood, tombstone, zombies, none of those parts of Halloween that glorify death. You're not going to find any of that. But you will have kids' games, you'll find family activities you'll find a free event for the east side neighborhood we have photo booths for family memories we have a coffee cart whose proceeds go to support people experiencing homelessness and we have a whole series of games and activities that can allow parents and families to spend time together strengthening relationships And creating memories together. That's what, for us, what it looks like to redeem Halloween. Jesus Christ lived, died, and was resurrected to redeem the lost, the pagan, the evil, namely us. Thank God that he didn't reject us because we were sinful and evil and rebellious. And thank God that he didn't just accept us in all of our sin, bondage, and failure. Instead, he chose to redeem us. He chose to forgive He chose to make us a new creation, to make us holy and righteous, to free us from our old sinful nature. He chose to redeem us. And if Jesus Christ can do all of that to redeem us, I think we can redeem a simple holiday. Join me with prayer. God, thank you for the redemption that you gave us. Something we didn't deserve but you sent your son to die for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still evil, while we were still broken, while we were still hurting, you sent your son to live Die and be resurrected for us. Thank you that you redeemed us. And in response, I pray that we can live redemptive lives. That each person here can be a force for good, a force for redemption in their families, in their jobs in their social circles. Let us look for opportunities to bring light into dark places, to bring life into dead places. Because we are, because of you, Jesus Christ, we are children of light and we are children of life. Lord, so I pray redemption over our Halloween event. Then it can build families. It can create memories. It can love neighbors. It can be a force for good because you have created us to be a force for good. We thank you for this opportunity. This is a blessing that you have given us. Let us use it well and let us love well those we know and those we don't. God, I pray that you speak to each person here and give them one specific vision of what it could look like to bring redemption to one part of their world. So we're going to spend a minute in silence here in silent prayer. And I would like you to open yourselves up to God's word, to God the Holy Spirit speaking in you and listen. Where can we redeem in our lives, Lord? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.